Good morning. I'm Anna Marie, and it's time again for Focus. Today we have dietitian Jamison Worley. She is the dietitian at TriStar Southern Hills Medical Center, correct? Mm-hmm. Correct. Okay, so today what we would like to talk about is diets and dieting and healthy eating, but we want to start with the keto diet because that is so popular. Yes. Everybody's talking about the keto diet. Will you tell us what that is and why so many people are saying this is working like crazy? And if it's working like that, why is it not recommended by doctors everywhere? Yes. Okay, let's talk about the keto diet. So the keto diet, the whole point of it is essentially to use ketones that come from fat, basically that your body breaks down for energy instead of carbs or glucose. So our main source of energy in our body is carbs or glucose. That's what our all of our cells run off of to fuel our brain, to fuel our heart, our bones, everything. But the thing is with the keto diet, basically all the research that's coming out is showing that instead of eating carbs, your body can get into a starvation mode and burn fat as fuel for energy. Okay. So people are like, let's do it. This is great. I'm going to burn all the fat in my body by being on this keto, you know, by being in ketosis, this keto diet. But the thing is, is with all the research out there, it's really, really hard for our body to actually get into that ketosis state. So the keto diet originally came out for children and infants to treat seizures or epilepsy. But doctors, there's so much more research that needs to be done to really truly understand why that happens. Mm -hmm. Um, So people kind of took that and was like, if it works for children, it works for adults, right? To really get into that state of ketosis. But children are so much different than adults are because they require so much more energy. So adults, it takes so much longer to actually get into a ketosis state than children do. Mm -hmm. So when people are on the keto diet, they're not actually reaching that ketosis state of burning fat for energy like they think they are. Well, what are they doing? So what's happening is they're putting their body in starvation mode. It's like any diet out there, right? So people go on these diets, you know, 30 days lose 30 pounds, 30 days are up. What's the first thing you're going to do? Eat like crazy. Right. So you gain all the weight back. It's the same with the keto diets. You're losing weight, but you're not losing the appropriate weight. What you're losing is you're losing muscle. You're losing water weight. You're not actually breaking into those fat stores and losing the fat like you think you are. Does that make sense? How do you know if you've gone into ketosis? It's really hard to with adults. So it's one of those things where for the actual keto diet to happen, you have to have 80 to 90, even more more than 90% of your calories have to come from fat. So it's really hard to do that, right? So think that if you were to eat fat all day long, and only have 10% of your calories coming from other sources other than fat, which is hard, right? Because that leaves you with vegetables, that leaves you with carbs, that leaves you with protein. There's so many other sources of food out there that you can't eat. So it would be like you eating avocados and French fries all day long, Mm -hmm. right? And that's not really doable for the actual human diet. And the fries are carbs too though, right? Essentially, yes. Yeah, so we're looking more at like the fried food. Right. So why is it working for people? And and what is it when your body's, you said, in starvation mode? Yes, starvation mode. So it's working for people because it's a quick change, right? They're not getting in the same amount of calories that they were before. So it's they're switching their diet. They're losing the weight all of a sudden because what they're doing is they're putting their body into the starvation mode. And the starvation mode is essentially breaking down their muscle, right? Because it's needing all of that energy, the energy from their muscle. So that's the first thing that it breaks down. So when it breaks that down, that's what your body's losing is the muscle. Water is the same way. It's like losing water weight, Mm -hmm. right? So if you lose, you know, that's why your weight fluctuates every morning 
when we get into that starvation mode, it's really, really hard because you're all of a sudden in this fight or flight mode. Got to be, you know, ready to do anything you possibly can. Right. Your body gets into that way, too. So when your body gets into starvation mode, it wants to hold on to all the fat in your body because your fat is essential. Your body needs your fat to cushion your organs to function. It's like your very last resort that it goes to. Does that make sense? Yes. So, so some people are triggering themselves into starvation mode where their body's holding on to the fat, but they still are losing weight because it's muscle. Right. So instead of losing the fat that your body needs, your body turns to other sources. So why are their stomachs getting smaller? They, they could essentially be starving themselves. You know, everyone's different. Everyone has a different story. So yeah. you could be on the keto diet, but only eating 200 calories a day. You know, someone else could be on the keto diet and be eating 2000 calories a day. You know, so it's totally different. For so many different people. Okay, so that's why we're seeing success stories from people saying, "I I eat like this, I live like this, and I'm I've lost ninety five pounds, and I feel great." But either they have gone into ketosis from doing it long term and doing mm-hmm. it right, or they're just on a super restrictive diet. Yes, yeah, absolutely. which all diets work as long as you're on them. Yes, but diets aren't meant to be long term. Exactly. That's why, as a dietitian, we never recommend diets. You know, it's always a healthy lifestyle change. Mm-hmm. We don't like hearing that. <laughs> I know. We want to lose ninety pounds in three months. <laughs> I know. I know. I hear it all the time. They're like, "So, what pill do you have for me today?" I'm like, "I don't. <laughs> there's no pill." You know, it's finding balance because there's a huge thing. You know, and I always tell clients that um, emotions play a huge role when it comes to eating. So, really? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I said really, but I know that. I mean, I totally know that. So how do we how do we work around that? So that's what we do as dietitians when I see all my clients, you know, is having a better relationship with food is key and where do you begin, right? Because if you're essentially going through all these diets and these changes and, you know, you're, you're doing the keto diet and then you're doing a vegetarian diet and then you're doing a vegan diet and you're seeing the results, but you're putting your body through so much stress mm-hmm. that long term, you know, you're teaching yourself to have a poor relationship with certain foods. So when you get out of the diet, you're like, give me everything, you know, I possibly can have. You're like chocolate cake, let's kiss and make up. Right. Exactly. So the keto <laughs> diet, you know, you're not eating carbs. So you get out of it, you know, and a friend invites you over for pasta. You better believe you're going to eat tons of pasta, right? Because mm-hmm. you haven't had it in 30 days or how long you've been on right. the diet. So there is no pill. Wait, let me just clarify. <laughs> because people all the time are on social media talking about no diet, no exercise. I've lost 35 pounds. Just inbox me and I'll tell you what it is. So there's no pill. No pill. No pill. Are you sure there's not one that people are just not telling us about? (laughs) I promise. Big Pharma just doesn't want us to know about. I promise. I promise. You know, there's certain medicines and things out there, you know, that restrict your appetite or suppress your appetite, you know, but that's very much a medical, you know, a doctor question for that. But we're, we're not in big support of it just because, again, it goes back to your relationship with food. You can't always be on this pill. You can't always, you know, do this. And it's being, you know, accepting kind of where your body's at, accepting your behaviors and your emotions to food. And so that way you have a better relationship there, right? We're talking with Jameson Worley, if you're just joining us. I'm Anna Marie, and this is Focus. She's a dietitian with TriStar Southern Hills Medical Center. Have you dealt with people who have had weight loss surgery mm-hmm. and are still having trouble afterwards? Yes. 
the with time. their diet, mm-hmm. with their lifestyle. Yeah. And that's a really good, you know, segue kind of from what I was talking about with they have this poor relationship with food, you know, so it's looking at certain foods where I can't have carbs or I can't have this because they make me gain weight or they make me do this or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So they don't eat them for a while. And then they overeat them, you know, and they gain the weight because we're storing that excess, you know, um, food into fat. And that's just essentially how it works. And so when they go through the surgery, they get the surgery, which is great. You know, it's a quick fix for them, but it's something that they need to follow through. So having a dietitian in that process is really important. Because it's something where, you know, having a dietitian to follow them before to be like, you're going to lose, you know, weight from the surgery, but we need to get into a good habit. You need to be seeing, you know, a therapist, a lot of, you know, before they get surgery, a lot of um, insurances recommend that they have, you know, a mental health screen so that they, you know, are able to kind of go through that mentality. I have a family member who uh, knew that she was going to have weight loss surgery and have a gastric sleeve I think it was Mm -hmm. so it would basically restrict the amount of food that she could eat Mm -hmm. but going up to the surgery she just went just all out and ate everything and she gained 30 pounds in a couple of weeks she just went crazy and I just Mm -hmm. thought this doesn't seem like she's ready for the surgery right because she did not have a good relationship with food exactly and that's how you call it a good you got to have a good relationship a healthy relationship with food Yeah. And you're looking at it too. You know, that's why you always hear like, you know, it's the new year, new you, you know, in the sense of getting getting back on a diet, getting back on the things because we just had the holidays, you know, so it's kind of this mentality of, okay, I'm just going to eat whatever I want for the holidays, Mm -hmm. you know, call it a day. Kind of like we get in this hibernation mode because we haven't had it all year. Right. And then once January one hits, we're like, all right, let's burn it all off. You know, instead it's looking at, we can go into the holidays eat you some pumpkin pie at Thanksgiving, you know, but in moderation and being okay with it, you know, knowing that your body really wants pumpkin pie and that's okay, you know, but not eating the entire pumpkin pie because in the back of our head, we know we can't have it. Oh, that's where the relationship with food comes in. Do you have advice that you tell people things that maybe you have them remember to kind of keep on track on a day-to-day basis? I do. So I love using the example. It's kind of called the 80-20 rule. So the 80-20 rule is looking at food that, you know, your daily intake, 80% of the time it's what we consider quote unquote healthy. Mm -hmm. 20% of the time it's those foods that your body just wants, you know, like a good example is Oreos. Love me some double stuffed Oreos, right? So in the back of my head, I know that they're probably falling in that 20% category. You said probably. (laughs) (laughs) You know. They're probably that I just want them. Okay, gotcha. of course. So, you know, when they fall into that category, you're like, okay, well, I can't have them. I can't have them. But knowing that it's okay, right? So as long as I have my two or three double stuffed Oreos because I love them, I'm good to go. Now, if my husband walks in the door a month later and I kept pushing those Oreos aside, you better believe I'm going to eat the entire bag of Oreos because I haven't had them. But sticking with that 80 to 20 rule, knowing that, okay, I'm going to have a couple here and there, that's okay. You know, as long as it fits in. So don't put a food on the... I can't have this, don't touch it list because that's what you're going to want. Right. It's that that label. That's good. I like that. That's very helpful. Yes. What about some of the other diets that are popular, like the gluten-free diet? Mm -hmm. I've had people say, I think I was allergic to gluten and didn't know it, and I've changed to the gluten-free diet. Is that helpful, harmful? What's going on with that? So there's a lot more there to it. 
basically when you're allergic to, or when you're on a gluten-free diet, so people you hear have celiacs, right? It's something where they're actually allergic to a protein called gliadin, which means their body can't process it. So that's what, you know, there's different symptoms for that. It's GI symptoms. Um, some people end up in the hospital. Some people get really bad rashes. So with those kind of people, they're actually full on allergic to that gliadin protein. But that means they specifically have been diagnosed with celiacs? Yes, celiac disease. Disease. Mm-hmm. Okay, so mm-hmm. other people who are saying that they're on gluten-free diets but they haven't been diagnosed, is it possible that they're just um, sensitive to a lesser degree? Yes, so you can be sensitive to gluten. But it's something where in order to be fully diagnosed, you have to go through a really long process. Okay. And one of the things you have to do is like blood tests. So a lot of times you just eat gluten for mm-hmm. so many days, weeks, depending on what your doctor wants you to do, and then get tested, you know, to see if, you know, you're digesting it or not, mm-hmm. which if you're allergic to, you know, gliadin or this protein, that's the last thing you want to do is eat gluten, you know, for so many days straight. So some people don't go through the full testing. So, you know, there's a lot of people coming out if they're having GI symptoms or if they're starting to get rashes then that's one of the first things that they're like, let's just get off gluten and see if that's a culprit. Mm -hmm. You know, gluten's found in all of your wheat, your barley, your rye products. So that's a huge, you know, um, when it comes to those complex carbs, those carbohydrates, Mm -hmm. it's a huge category that we're cutting out right then. But can one live without bread? (laughs) I mean, it's doable. (laughs) It just depends on what type of bread, right? I just don't want to (laughs) live. Well, that's why you get the testing done to see if you're actually allergic to the protein. Okay. So so is that a healthy diet? If you've decided, I'm just going to go gluten-free, my husband has celiacs, or my husband is um, Mm -hmm. susceptible to the rashes and gastric problems Mm -hmm. when he eats that, Uh, and I'm going to do that. Is that okay? Yeah. I mean, essentially, yes. You still need a lot of those, you know, products in your life because it's one of those things where a lot of those wheat, barley and rye products have some good vitamins and minerals that our body still needs, but you can't get otherwise. Oh, so it's having, you know, when you're when you're starting to kind of take something out, like I said earlier, you know, you're taking a lot of nutrients that your body needs. So you kind of have to buy those fortified products. Right. So you start to see products fortified with certain vitamins and minerals because you're taking them out. Like what? What would you put in? So like, for instance, um, some people put like iron in bread. You see like if you buy orange juice, have mm-hmm. you ever seen like, you know, on the label, it'll say like with vitamin C, mm-hmm. um, you know, so they're adding extra vitamin C or they're adding vitamin D or they're adding something to it. So if you're doing gluten free, then you need to make sure you get what? Back certain things. So like magnesium is really high in certain breads, things like that. Breads have gluten? Yes, breads is what your gluten are. So it's any wheat products. So if I'm doing if I'm taking those out, what I'm saying is then what do I need to put back in? I can't put more breads back in. Right. So you have to find other ways to get it in. Oh, I gotcha. So yeah, so oats for instance, you know, are things that essentially you have to make sure that, you know, you're you're getting it in you're getting in those complex carbs. Okay. Or carbohydrates, other ways. So like oats can be a way. What about anti uh, inflammatory diets? Yes. I've heard a lot about that, especially for people with uh, arthritis or uh, joint pain, things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. So that comes a lot. Yes, I see that all the time, especially with patients with orthopedics. You know, they come in and they have had surgery or something like that. And, right. you know, they've got that pain, that swelling. So anti-inflammatories are found in a lot of your fruits and vegetables. So I always just tell people, as long as you're getting your fruits and vegetables in, you're good to go. Things that are pro-inflammatory are more of like your sugars. So your added sugars, some of your dairy products. What Mm -hmm. about heart health diets? 
So Heart Health, we um, we actually have a cardiac rehab program at TriStar Southern Hills Medical Center, and um, nutrition plays a big role there as well. So some of the main things we educate them on are low sodium, low salt, so making sure that they're kind of staying away from that salt. And the other thing we look for is type of fat. So, you know, there's there you've got your unsaturated fat, those quote-unquote healthy fats. You've got your saturated fat, those quote-unquote unhealthy fats. So it's something where... You know, we're always looking to make sure that you're decreasing your saturated fats. So we don't want those building up in our body, which usually comes from animal products. Um, And we're staying more towards those fruits, those vegetables that are those unsaturated fats or those quote unquote healthy fats. Like nuts and avocados and things like that. I always say think about the Mediterranean diet whenever you think of that. Okay, for heart health. Yes. And then what about diabetes? So diabetes. So we also we I teach a diabetes class over at TriStar Southern Hills Medical Center um, once a month. So that's one of our main focuses um, that we do work on. And with diabetes, you're looking more at added sugars. You look at patients and their diets and essentially how much added sugar they're getting into their diet every day. So not necessarily taking out carbs altogether, like the keto diet, right? But you're still adding them in, but they're in moderation because your body still needs them. You just can't process them enough. Why is that? When you have diabetes, what, you know, in a nutshell, what happens is your body, your pancreas secretes insulin. And that insulin, what that does is whenever you have dietary sugar or glucose Mm -hmm. or your body produces glucose, the first thing that insulin does is it grabs onto those glucose molecules and brings them into your cells. And that's our main source of energy for our cells. So when we don't, whenever you have diabetes, you're what we call insulin resistant. You're not producing enough insulin to grab onto that glucose or those sugars to bring them into your cells. So they're just hanging out in your bloodstream Hence the high blood sugars. And our body converts carbs to sugars? Yes. So that's why carbs Yes, involved. essentially. Okay. Yes. Absolutely. So it's making sure that we're eating those carbs in moderation and what teaching a, them. What about vegetarian or vegan diets? Are those, every vegetarian or vegan I know is slender and seems like they have boundless energy <laughs> and glowing skin. Is that really the way that a dietitian would recommend uh, that we go? I mean, not necessarily on that whole persona, but <laughs> looking at it as, you know, there's still tons of research out there. And a lot of the research out there goes, you know, vegetarian or plant-based diets, as we like to call them, are, you know, sometimes healthier, but it depends on the person. You know, so if someone comes in and they've just recently had a heart attack, we always shoot more towards eating more plant-based because, again, your animal products is where your cholesterol, your saturated fat, the things that are negative for your health whenever you have, you know, a heart attack or any type of heart health right. um, or heart disease. So, you know, going plant-based is a good idea, but in moderation, right? So if a client were to walk in my office, it was a hunter, you know, and I was like, you know, you just had a heart attack. And I casually was like, you can't have any, you know, meat ever in your life. He would say, see ya and walk out the door. That's right? right. So you have to be, you have to find moderation there, you know, so making sure that when you're having kind of looking at your whole day of, okay, so what have I had today that comes from an animal and slowly decreasing that. So with those, you know, when you're looking at diets at the end of the day, they're restrictive in some area. That's why we keep talking about relationship with food, because then you're learning not to have that, right? Mm-hmm. So things like the cabbage diet or the soup diet. I even had a client once, I used to work with athletes, and I used to have a client once that came in saying he was on the banana boat challenge. And I was like, what is the banana boat challenge? And it was literally just eating bananas all day. That's all he ate. And I was like, that? There's so many things wrong with that <laughs> picture. 
You have ruined my day. No, I'm totally kidding. <laughs> I know, I know. I get that a lot. No, it did feel too good to be true. And so that's why we wanted to talk to someone about yeah. it. When I kept hearing about the keto diet, I just thought we got to talk to a dietitian about yeah. this. We have to talk to an expert. So the banana boat diet is not <laughs> a, a, the soup diet. The thing, again, the, it, you, you will lose weight. Mm-hmm. But if you put your body in starvation mode, then it's going to hold on to the fat. Right. So what if I ate a lot of soup? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm trying to be serious yeah. because these are the questions people listening will be thinking mm-hmm. about. What if I eat a lot of soup where I'm not in the starvation mode? Mm-hmm. Then what? So you get into other aspects. Then you start missing out on key nutrients. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you start looking at one soup is typically higher sodium, you know, so then that's kind of where as a dietitian, we always work on a client by client case, mm-hmm. right? Because some people have history of heart disease, you know, some people got diabetes, you know, so you've got to focus on certain nutrients that their body needs or doesn't need. So, you know, for someone who comes in saying they just want to eat soup all day, but they have heart disease in their family, we probably back them off a little bit because we don't need a lot of sodium. Oh, gotcha. For that, you know. Okay. So, and when we have a lot of sodium, yes, you're getting in water and soup and things like that, but sodium helps retain water. Right. So you're just kind of holding on to everything. So you almost need to drink as that much water to flush everything out. Okay. At the end of the day, you know, with soups too, you're not getting in whole grains or lots of raw vegetables, which means you're missing out on fiber and certain vitamins, you know, minerals that our body needs, um, protein, you know, it just depends. That's where the balance comes in. And you've already told yourself this whole group of foods is not good. So when you get tired of soup and you will. Yes. Then that's when people go back and they eat the foods that they've been longing for because they're no, no, they've been longing for. And then that's when they gain the weight back and they're like, nothing works for me. Absolutely. 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 Speak to people right now who are listening Mm -hmm. and who are frustrated and who have lost weight and gained weight and lost weight and gained weight. And they go, yeah, 80, 20. How do they make that work? What do you want to tell them? So again, it's client by client, you know, so whenever I have a patient or a client that walks into my office, I always work through their diet first. So looking at it of, okay, so what do you do on a daily basis? How can we tweak it for you? Um, making it all balanced and whole. So making sure you're getting an exercise. Your stress level plays a really big role, you know, into your day-to-day because think that your gut is your hormones. So, you know, whenever you've got like constipation, diarrhea, you're nervous. It's the first thing you get, you feel down there, you know, in your gut. So it plays a big role too in digestion and everything as well. So the first thing I always, you know, educate people on is going back to simplicity, looking at the five food groups, making sure you're getting in all of your five food groups, making sure it's a balance, making sure you're saying yes to things that you would otherwise feel, you know, scared to say yes to. But moderation, portion control is a huge thing as well that I talked to them about. Do they have to count calories? Not necessarily. So some people, you know, I will have some clients, it depends on the client's goal. So I will have some clients who come in and that's just the way that they work. You know, for me, like I'm, oh. I, I'm not a numbers person typically as a dietitian, but it's something where if that's what helps them and that's what, what they need, then I'll, you know, educate them. You know, everyone has their certain amount of calories their body needs just to stay alive. And it's something you can calculate off of, you know, their height, their weight, their sex, their gender, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I can kind of educate them on that. Because again, if you're going below that number, you know, just the amount of calories your body needs just to function, that's when you hit that starvation mode. Can you ever actually lose fat cells or do they just shrink? They just shrink. So when somebody says you're going to lose fat, Mm -hmm. not really. Not necessarily. No. 
It's just shrinking them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Start out really small and then you just, they get bigger the more you're storing fat and then they shrink. Mm -hmm. But you always have them. And there's no pill. (laughs) (laughs) I hate to say that by the end of this, there will still not be a pill. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have a resource that you could give our listeners someplace that they could go uh, if they just really want to get started on a, a healthy lifestyle? And I don't know why that phrase has been so used that it feels like a mountain. It feels like I'm trying to climb a mountain in one leap. Where could I take one little step? So the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics is the first place to start. It's a national website for anything and everything nutrition. um, And they have really good resources on there if it's specific. So if it's someone who needs diabetes, you know, they point you out to the American Diabetes Association. Um, If it's someone who like little kids or pediatrics, it'll point you to, you know, the pediatric the Association of Pediatrics. So there's so many different resources there that they, it's basically the big hub for everything. Um, one of the ones I love the most is choosemyplate.gov. Um, with that one, it goes back to the basics. Like I was saying, it goes back to the food groups, you know, what foods are in each food group. It's got some great activities for kids, for um, parents with picky eaters, um, even for parents, you know, and just understanding what is the balance of the food that I need every day. But that's one of my favorites. Do you know if they teach it in school? Um, it totally depends on the district, depends on the school, um, but it is something my plate. Have you, have you heard of my plate? Mm-mm. So my plate is the essentially the new food pyramid, but it's something they do teach in the school. So it shows you, it takes the food pyramid and the five food groups yeah. and it basically puts it on a plate. So it shows you, it gives you a good visual of how to put the food groups on your plate. If you're just joining us, I'm Anna Marie, and this is Focus, and we're talking with Jamison Worley. She's a dietitian at TriStar Southern Hills Medical Center. I wonder if they have where you can go, here's what I have in my fridge. How much of this should I put on my plate? I'm going to have to go check it out and see. I do know that the USDA, if you Google it, does have something like that, where you can basically pull all the ingredients that you have in your fridge, and then they've got tons of great simple recipes um, on there. That's great. Yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. I know that when I used to um, to be a dietitian, we have to go through a residency or an internship. And I was up in Boston. So Greater Boston Food Bank was when I worked with. We used it all the time to create recipes for food banks and things. Is there anything I've neglected to ask that you think is important that we add today? Not necessarily. I mean, going back to my main point, just to kind of sum everything up is, you know, everything in balance when you're looking at nutrition. So making sure that you're going back to the five food groups, you know, you've got your your grains, your protein, your dairy, your fruits and your vegetables. You're getting all of it in during the day. It's all in moderation, you know, and you're looking at, again, using kind of choosemyplate.gov to look at everything, see how it's put on your plate. You know, it's good for portion control. So what if I've eaten too much chocolate cake one day? Can I skip the broccoli so I don't get those extra calories? So so no regrets, right? So, you know, it's our birthday. We really want chocolate cake. That's something that eat your co- chocolate cake, you know, but knowing everything in moderation. So the maybe, best... <laughs> maybe not chocolate cake the next day <laughs> and the know, next day. You know, that's fine. That's something where it's really good chocolate cake. I mean, I will give a personal story that our wedding cake is still to this day I dream about it. And I probably could have eaten that all day, every day. But, you know, it's something where if you have that chocolate cake, you know, look at it or you've got a birthday coming up or an event or something, just know that I need to get my vegetables in for the day. Probably won't get them in, you know, that night. So how can I do it, you know, the other day or the rest of the day by adding in snacks or adding it at lunch or things like that? 
I love that you are not the guilt them into doing it type of person because we found that doesn't work. If guilting us into losing weight worked, it would we'd all be skinny. Yeah. And well, it just doesn't. And think too, everyone has their own story, right? And social media can absolutely get the best of us by people posting, you know, whatever they want on social media. Yes. So when you see those things on Facebook or anywhere, you know, that they lost 90 pounds in two weeks, think of it as it's probably not an appropriate amount of weight loss, you know, that someone loses in two weeks. It's pretty impossible to do. Yeah. You know, so one, is it true? Two, you know, is it truly Will that 90 pound weight loss really get you to where you want to be? And can it be sustained? Exactly. Are they going to keep that 90 pounds off for the rest of their life? Exactly. You are fantastic. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. That is uh, Jameson Worley, the dietitian at TriStar Southern Hills Medical Center. I appreciate you taking your time to help us out. Yeah, thank you so much. It was great being here today. And again, the website, choosemyplate.gov, or you can Google USDA, and uh, you can find recipes for the ingredients that you have. And we're going to put both those links on our website. If you have any questions, we'll put those links there as well on our Focus Facebook page. Make sure you join us next week. I'm Anna Marie, and that's Focus.